Spring breathes potential. Winter gives one last harumph as crocuses push up through the soil and trees leaf out. Unearth your bottle opener because New Belgium's new pale ale is something you can dig. Four types of hops meld together with hints of fruit and a fresh spring zing to create a coppery, crisp pale ale. Go ahead, dig in. New Belgium Brewing. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. Find your flavor online at newbelgium.com. With additional support from Kuat Racks and Patagonia. This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. It was a bright and idyllic morning in Eugene, Oregon. Perfect weather for lofty goals and the start of something that felt as wild as it did ridiculous. I harnessed my nervous butterflies by focusing on making the breakfast that accompanied any normal day spent skiing or biking. Two eggs, a bowl of granola, and a cup of coffee, black as motor oil. Then I wobbled my bike out the front door. It resembled something of a jalopy, overloaded with backpacks, panniers, and a pair of skis. Stepping over the frame, I felt like I was six years old again and learning to control a bike without training wheels for the first time. I met my friend Sam at our university's outdoor headquarters. His black touring rig was just as late in his mind except for the splitboard lashed to his frame. I secretly wondered if both bikes would survive the trip, but I forced a grin of reassurance and let out a short woo with an accompanying fist pump in the air. We were California bound and looking to make some turns in the heart of the Sierra Nevada range. But with a twist, we wanted to earn them from the doorstep by pedaling for our turns. A year earlier, we had first checked out the peaks, valleys, and couloirs of the East Sierra on an all-too-short tour near Bishop. After three days of skiing, we piled back into our car, half-baked by the sun and exhaustion. The Sierra disappeared into the Rivu Mirror, but the region's topography had grabbed hold of my gray matter. With college graduation looming on the horizon, celebrating with a full-fledged adventure, seemed perfectly symbolic and indulgent. I imagined living amongst the boulders and sagebrush. I'd set up a camp and climb and ski to my heart's content. It didn't matter that that I didn't have a car. I would carry everything on my bike. How this idea evolved past being just a dream wouldn't have happened without Sam's continual persuasion. Our combined bike training experience was limited at best. We weren't much more than commuters, 
but in anticipation of the grand tour, we turned occasional day rides into training rides, with cast iron frying pans and canned fruit weighing down our bikes. As a preliminary test of our setup, we attempted a bike-supported backcountry trip on Mount Hood's north side. La Nina had other plans, and drenched us to the bone, while a myriad of flat tires plagued our progress. We'd flown by the seat of our pants and gotten spanked, but we proved to ourselves that we could carry everything necessary for a ski tour on our bikes. And more importantly, we had a taste of the freedom that comes with a bike tour. By the time June rolled around, we were making final preparations. And on the day that my last college paper was due, we raised our feet off of the ground, waved goodbye to our friends, and started pedaling. We navigated our route 630 miles with a couple of torn out pages from a road atlas. We passed through Oregon's moist foothills and high arid plains and fell into a rhythm of life in time with the cadence of our pedaling. Oregon had become our home, and we bid farewell by passing through her scenery at a pace that allowed us to notice the more subtle elements of her beauty. We embraced new landscapes by experiencing them at a cyclist pace. We followed aqueducts through the Klamath Basin and the main strip through Reno. We celebrated past summits and cursed exposed stretches of desert. Towns that flash by in the blink of a motorist's eye were our daily destinations. Oases with greasy breakfasts and cold beer. From a backwoods clearing beside the Willamette River to Topaz Lake in California, we slept out under the stars. And as we paddled through these landscapes, strangers invited us into their homes and offered to take us fishing. Such individual acts of kindness were often the silver lining on days when the sun broiled us, mosquitoes drained us, and the climbs seemed to continue upward forever. It didn't take long to forget that we were technically on a backcountry ski and snowboard trip. Then, just 14 days after leaving Eugene, we rolled into the town of Bridgeport. Granite peaks no longer loomed in the distance, but dominated the immediate horizon. Snow-filled bowls and couloirs accented the sharply defined peaks. The prize we'd been eyeing was almost in sight, and we were anxious to plunge into the heart of the mountains. Only one more pass separated us from the town of Levining, and our final climb up to Tioga Pass. We set out for Tioga Pass on the day that the road opened for the season. Our jaws scraped the handlebars as we slowly cranked our way 3,000 feet up and 12 miles toward the top. Snow began mounting on the side of the road and Tioga Lake was choked with ice. Only once the road began to mellow did the same smile that had spread across my face in Eugene re-emerge. 
A second wind of energy coursed through my veins. Motorists waited in line for their turn to enter Yosemite National Park, and we leisurely took our turn and passed them. Though we weren't standing atop our ski lines, we felt like the hardest part of the trip was behind us. The range was now our oyster. Months earlier, we had cursed La Nina when she puked on us en route to Mount Hood, but now she was our saving grace. The gal silenced the skeptics, who questioned whether we'd find snow in mid-June. From our campsite atop the only barren ground in an otherwise buried meadow, we skinned toward the large and tightly stretched canvas of False White Peak. We ceased looking up at the range, but now out and over it as we strode upward. Moving across the snow instead of the pavement, I felt relief. Gone were the blind corners, sketchy shoulders, and sometimes traffic-choked roads we'd pedaled down. Yet skinning the mountains instead of cycling the high plains didn't mean we labored any less, and I yearned for water as badly as I had during our longest days in the saddle. As we summited and prepped to ski false white, I felt disconnected from the bike ride. I was focused on skiing, double-checking my bindings and visualizing my line. I don't know that I cared enough to consider what the moment meant. I just wanted to ski. So I pointed my planks down a short but steep chute that opened a bond to the massive expanse of white. I reeled in my love for gravity and danced with its pull arcing massive turns across the soft snow and whooping with glee. We went on to ski in multiple chutes and spent days exploring only a tiny percentage of the Sierra's potential. Our tour concluded on the last day of spring when we pedaled up from our campsite toward the top of the pass. Two friends joined us, and we again donned skins, then made our way up the matriarch of the region, Mount Dana. Her north face loomed over the pass, but its mellow angle invited us up to the summit. We sought shade and zigzagged amongst the trees, before setting a course straight for the top. Small-looking rock bands grew in size. The familiar sense of sizzling under the Sierra sun returned. I stopped looking up. I thought of the Nordic races I panted through in high school, of trudging through thigh-deep mud while portaging across a swamp in Manitoba, about the celebratory cold beer sloshing in my backpack, waiting to be opened at the top. Internally, I sang random song lyrics to the rhythm of, of my upward sliding skis. And only after I'd lost all sense of time, I was on the summit, with good friends and a breathtaking view. The moment was finalizing and paramount. I could reflect on our accomplishment. Supporting our backcountry addiction with bikes instead of cars had felt perfectly balanced between a radical environmental declaration and the obvious. Radical, 
in that we challenge the status quo, not through letter writing, but through our own two feet. Yet obvious, because there is little reason we couldn't ride our bikes to a backcountry destination in June. We weren't the first. Hopefully, we wouldn't be the last. The trip's end was almost in sight as we weren't biking back to Eugene, so it truly was all downhill from here. We lounged in the sun and basked in our success. With the sun beginning to set and the snow refreezing, we forced ourselves up. I briefly looked north and imagined that I could retrace our whole route through the desert, forest, and mountains of the west. I smiled to myself remembering what we'd been thinking all those days ago when nervous butterflies raged in our chests and we wondered if our bodies and bikes would survive the trip. All the miles covered through the Oregon rain and the California sun, from pipe dream to reality. And now, one last run. I gave a resounding woo with accompanying fist pump and dropped in on my line. I arced turns amongst those laid by my friends and thought of nothing but the present. This is also a song for uh, three special dudes that I saw today on bicycles driving uh, down 395, Sam and company from Eugene, Oregon. Welcome to Sierra Nevadas. My name is Fred Sprout, and this is my short. After spending the winter in the Sierra, Fred is migrating north to Minnesota and then to Canada to guide river trips. Music today by Pumice Kishibashi, Dream End, Sound of 73, and The Trespassers. You can download the tracks for free at our website, thedirtbagdiaries.com. Support for the diaries comes from New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. Find their new spring seasonal Dig Pale Ale at your local tap room. Use the libation locator at newbelgium.com to find your favorite flavor. Support for the show also comes from Kuat Racks, maker of a better bike rack. With aluminum construction, innovative design, and a lifetime warranty, they're building racks to love. Check out their full lineup at kuatracks.com. Additional support also comes from the good people at Patagonia. My name is Fitz Kohal, and that was Fred Sprout. And you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Under the glow of the exit sign, the motor we smoke by the street line, said my mind feeling high.